0: Welcome to another edition of New Hampshire Journal podcast brought to you by the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy, where Drew Klein has been all over the minor media. Because, as you know, Drew, this is the major media, this the New is, Hampshire yeah, Journal podcast is. Yes. But you're on the minor media like TV, blah, 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 with uh, a series of new poll numbers you've been releasing for the past few days. And you've got some fresh out of the oven how are joe biden and chris sununu doing in new hampshire according to your new poll from saint
1: a's well i first want to start with um you know just acknowledging that this is a lot less uh, politically interesting or sexy than our um you know straight up policy analysis (laughs) that uh, you know that we which we get you know loads of media coverage for of course from immuno and other places We, we analyze the budget it's all over everywhere um you know so We're basking in the glory of putting out a poll. So just to back up- first poll ever, right? First poll ever, yep. And so we had a couple of policy questions we wanna ask and we wanted to get some poll numbers on. So we did a poll. And um, so people understand the way polling works. Polling companies do this all the time where they ask these questions about what's favorability and job approval and right track, wrong track and stuff like that. So they will they have those questions already written and already standardized. And they ask them if somebody, Pays them to do a poll. They'll say they'll just tack on those other questions and they'll ask them. And and in this case, saying um had these questions: What's your opinion of Joe Biden? And literally, that's the question: What is your opinion of Chris Sununu? What is your opinion of Joe Biden? Straightforward. Um, and they asked, uh, why would would you say whether things are on the heading in the right direction or have things gotten off the on the wrong track in, in New Hampshire? These are questions that are standard to for a long time. So um, they put those in our poll and they asked them. And when they gave us the book of, of results. Those are in their results. And we said, hey, look, these are interesting. Can we publish them? And they said, sure. So we didn't go out to poll these political questions, but um, we, we had them and it was informative. So we went ahead and released them. And uh, what we found was, or I guess what St. A's found was pretty interesting. Um, right track, wrong track. Uh, 59% of New Hampshire voters said uh, the country's on the wrong track. That, that is really high, I think, uh, for right now. It's fa- fairly high. Um, and uh, Biden's favorability was almost exactly reversed from the St. Anne and Selman poll in February. Uh, he now is posting 52% unfavorable and 47% favorable um, in this poll. Now, of course, um, some liberal activists have attacked us um, as if we somehow rigged the question or rigged the sample or <laughs> something like that. And you know, St. A's picks the sample. We don't dictate to them. You
0: sample um, this, rigor, you. I want everyone right. to know I've known Drew Klein for years. He's <laughs> definitely a sample rigor going way back.
1: Uh, you know, and the funny thing is this, you know, if you actually look at it, um, there are slightly more Democrats than Republicans in this poll. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like, um, you know, there were a whole bunch of, there was like 90% Republicans in this or anything. It was slightly more Democrats. Um, but the interesting thing is, so Biden comes up with 40% favor, 47% favorable. 52 unfavorable. Uh, the the favorable is very close to what UNH polls have found consistently for the last few months. He's been at 45 um, in UNH polling, 45, 46 mm-hmm. for the last several months at favorability. Now they have the unfavorable also around the same level. So in this poll, his unfavorables are higher, but his favorable rating is at you know UNH poll, and nobody's attacking them for being you know, right wing well, also
0: note that, you know, a poll is a snapshot. So what you want yeah, to do is snapshot. you want to get several over time and exactly. blah, blah, blah. But so this, this is pretty This consistent. snapshot. This is a pretty ugly family photo for Joe Biden for one reason. His number with the non-partisan.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: the he's at 90% word. with Democrats. He's supposed to be. He's at like 9% with Republicans of that moderates. of moderates have an unfavorable view of Joe Biden, unfavorable undeclared more than half 54% don't like Joe Biden, self identified swing voters by the metric that Senes use uses 65%. It's almost three to one. They don't like Joe Biden. And that is not good for a guy whose brand before january 20th really was the not so far out there you know republicans could cross over and vote for him kind of guy i think it's safe to say that whatever the action you know the if you could if you did five more polls and you got five more samples you might get different numbers but you get the same trend which is that the joe biden of january 20th your poll shows is not the joe biden of today
1: Yeah, and and I think that's what the the St. Anselm polling um, going back a while shows that that there's some sort of trend. And I think there's so there's a couple of things. We don't know exactly what explains it, but we can speculate. And I think one of the things is rank partisanship, first of all. So I mean you can see with right track, wrong track, um, you know, Republicans and Republican leaners just automatically think the country's going to hell when a Democrat's <laughs> president and vice versa, Democrats think that when there's a Republican president and they're just, and that's just silly, but that's the world we live in right now. Um, so there, there is absolutely an element to that, bringing his numbers down a little bit, but, um, I think what you can read into this, when we get down to other poll questions about trust, because uh, this is what we really wanted to ask, was trust in government, trust in the media, and how that's been changed by the pandemic. You see a huge drop off in trust in government. And I think part of that, um, it's not all Biden by any means, because um, we didn't tie it specifically to that and any partisanship, but um, in the last couple of months, you know, Biden got elected, he won New Hampshire, um, you know, So it's not like a bunch of these people, uh, you know, like all these people voted for Trump, but there is a sense that uh, he said he was going to be moderate. He said he was going to be a unifier. He said he was going to bring the country together. And then it's been just a nonstop um, left-wing agenda in Washington. And whether that's, Biden is the blame for that or not I think people associate him with that. So and let's so add some more
0: data for comparison because nothing is neither is either good or bad without, you know, except by
1: comparison. Sure. Look at Chris Sununu's numbers. Can you share how the governor did? Yeah, and so and so this is part of Saint in some polling too. They asked, yeah, "What's your opinion of Chris Sununu?" He was uh, 64% favorable and um, uh, 34% unfavorable. So yeah, that's very good. He was uh, slightly down in favorability rating. His favorables were 68 in uh, the February St. Anselm poll. So it's a little bit down, but a pretty stable. And, um, and still that's, you know, almost two thirds favorable. So, you know, he is staying pretty steady while Biden is, is declining. And so that's the trend. that the and,
0: well, and, and let me once again, go to those voters who to determine elections, the nonpartisan ones, because same things, new, new Republicans love them. Democrats hate him. Fine. Moderates, 65% favorable. That's almost exactly what Biden had, unfavorable. Undeclareds, 70% favorable. And this number, Drew Klein, just blew me away. I know the governor's people were tweeting it out today. Among swing voters, 75% have a favorable view of Sununu. And I want to offer a meta theory here. You have covid case is collapsing. It's just a much better life. If you, you've seen it. You've mm. seen people without their mm-hmm. masks going out. You know, It's just a, that's good. That's a good thing that's happening. And then you also have, as, as much as it's bad news for businesses because they can't find enough workers, you have plenty of jobs. And so that's good. And and you have talked on this podcast and many times at uh, jbartlett.org about how revenue projections for New Hampshire have exceeded expectations even during COVID. In other words, there's some good news out there. And yet you have a story of one guy's numbers, you know, doing pretty good. Another guy's numbers not doing that good, particularly with the people who aren't clinging to partisan pillar. And I think, I think it is reasonable to expect that a politician who's a leader as events go well, whether he deserves it or not, his polls are going to trend up. That's not happening for Joe Biden. It is somewhat for Chris Anu.
1: Yeah. I don't have a lot to add to that. Um, <laughs> okay, well then I'll. Here's a punchline.
0: The the reason is, in my opinion, and we're going to talk more about some of these issues in a few minutes. For whatever reason, Democrats have really the the the, the people you hear about in the Democratic Party, other than Joe Manchin, who gets yelled at all the time right. by reporters, you know, are people on the progressive side. And whether they reflect the party or not, it doesn't matter. They they're the ones the media quotes are the ones that are omnipresent. You know, on social media. And uh, then some of the policies you mentioned earlier that President Biden is offering some policies that are, you know, from the progressive end as well. He's not true. Remember, uh, Bill Clinton did the triangulation, you know, Mm -hmm. he was against the liberals in his own party and the Republicans and he had the sweet spot. Biden is not doing that. He's sticking with the progressives on policy. And I think that you add up all these policies, whether it's tax hikes or the six trillion dollars in spending or the social stuff like the border and create uh, critical race theory and on the long litany i just think the democratic brand right now is in trouble with swing voters democrats love it they're doing great but swing voters are like "Ah, this isn't what i I thought we were getting kind of like squishy middle democrat i didn't think we're getting you know aoc democrat and i think joe biden is paying a price for the increasing problem, oh, oh, uh, uh, defund the police. That's another huge one. Mm-hmm. He's paying a price because his party's brand is being associated with these progressive ideas. That's what I think we're seeing in the broader polls.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And, and, and I think the, your key point about whether Biden himself is actually pushing these policies or is to blame for them, he is being associated with some pretty far left policies that. Um, a lot of folks don't like I and mean, you know, there's a lot of policies out there that um, are very unpopular that are associated with that party um, and swing voters in particular tend to not like the extremes of either party so when you have um, the extremes the stream end of the Republican Party, getting all the media attention and getting all the focus. Um, you can often see those swing voters turn away from the Republican Party. And when you have the far end of the Democratic Party getting all the media attention, you can see them turn away from the Democratic Party. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now. Um, and also, but just to differentiate, um, you know, Biden soon on a personal level, I mean, this is um, the question is, do you like them? You know, <laughs> and, um, and and I think a lot of people really do like Joe Biden. I mean, he he is a charming guy, but um, but there's something you mentioned the word leadership earlier, and I think there's just when you look at Senator's <throat> poll numbers and lots of different polls about his leadership and his handling of the crisis and his handling of various things, he um, gets very high marks, and I think there's at least among some voters a perception that um, Biden isn't being a a strong leader, um, that he's just kind of letting his party run with its agenda and i think that might that that is
0: so unfair if they actually woke him up and told him what was going on he would be very against it that's my oh no that's that's my opinion that's That's michael graham new hampshire journal (laughs) please not in any way associated with the lovely people the josiah bartlett center hey you mentioned that your poll you asked people about their confidence in institutions
1: and the impact of covid what did you find there So this is what we really wanted to find out has, and we asked this this question, has the COVID-19 pandemic made you more trustful of filling the institution, less trustful or made no difference? We did the first institution was government. The totals were 61%. The pandemic has made them less trustful of government, 34% no difference, 5% more trustful. I don't know who those people are, Um, but 61% less trustful of government. And when you look at this on the party breakdown, Republican, 87% less trustful, no surprise. Undeclared, 65% less trustful. When you go to lean, um, Republicans, 88% less trustful. Uh, swing voters, 71% of swing voters say the pandemic's made them less trustful in government. These numbers are pretty reversed for Democrats. Um, 58% of Democrats um, and uh, in party ID say less, uh, no difference. 33% has made them less trustful. Um, so did anyone have a more trustful, did anyone well, say, hey, no, dude, I mean, there were, there were, no, no, no. Um, well, Democrats on party registration, Democrats, um, and people who went to grad school, <laughs> um, <laughs> it broke 10% more trustful. Wow. Um, yeah. But, but no, on, on the whole, it was less trustful, except for Democrats who said no, mostly no difference. Um, but when we t- went to media, um, has the pandemic made you more or less trustful of media? We found 60% less trustful and 34% no difference. And Democrats, again, 62% of Democrats say uh, the pandemic has not changed their trust in media. 25% less trustful, 13% more trustful. Um, (laughs) Republicans, 2% more trustful. That's probably an error. (laughs) Exactly. It's within the margin of error of the poll. Uh, 92% less trustful, 6% no difference. And undeclared voters, 63% less trustful of the media, 34% no difference. So media and the government have done a great deal to lose the trust of New Hampshire voters. Um, And yet we asked the same question of business and our finding was only 22% said they were less trustful of business because of the pandemic and 69% said no difference.
0: I I wanna be clear that you asked the same voters about what is your
1: opinion of business? Business, you didn't ask yeah. businesses, yeah, yes. asked the people. No, great. Yeah, we asked voters, yeah, yeah, sorry if I wasn't clear. Um, the same voters. So only 22% of voters said they were less trustful business, 69%, no difference. Um, and, and that's remarkably, this is one of those questions where you might expect partisanship to rear its ugly head, but it didn't. And I found that fascinating. 66% of Democrats, uh, I'm sorry, of Republicans, said no difference in their view of Business and sixty-four percent are Democrats, so they agreed on that. That that um, you know, businesses pretty much. Yeah, done but a the good Democrats job. already hated business; they couldn't hate them anymore. You know, that's what's what's. Well, the- it didn't make them any less <laughs> trustful, and the numbers broke down the same, and and the same for less trustful. So, twenty-five percent of Dems and twenty-four percent of Republicans said the potemics made them less trustful. So um, that was really really interesting. I'm not sure exactly how to explain it, but um, uh, undeclared by the way, seventy-five percent. No difference and 18% less trustful. So they're even more trustful of uh, business than the parties are. So, what this shows, you know, on the whole, I think, is that there's a a broad sense among New Hampshire voters that business got the job done. It did what it's supposed to do during the pandemic, and government didn't, and the media didn't, and they really blew it, and they weren't, um, they weren't, they didn't earn. Not only did they not earn the trust, they lost trust throughout the pandemic. And I think that's a really alarming thing. If, uh, if you're particularly, if you're a media executive, um, you know, when you have already low trust levels and then you have 60% of the people saying they've become less trustful of you, uh, I think that is a real wake up call. I think you really have to say, you know what? It, it's time to assess <laughs> um, our model here. It's time to assess how we're delivering information. If we are losing so many um, people including you know not just people who are you know super partisan 68 percent of swing voters so um i just I, I think from media point of view we've seen so much bad coverage of the pandemic uh, it really is time to reassess how the coverage is done and how they communicate information to people and obviously the same thing with the government but um you know can you really make a difference there i don't know <laughs> you
0: can't uh, but we're not expecting those things to change. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who expects the government sector to suddenly get competent. And I don't know anyone who expects the media to go back to the standards they tried to uphold you know, in a previous generation. So I, I don't think this damage is gonna be recovered from. I just think people are gonna move on to other sources for trust.
1: Well, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to sort of do the poll is just to see. We didn't really know what to expect from this at all, and when we saw these results, um, at least there was some hope that you know, maybe some folks in the media would take a look at this and go, you know, we really have to reassess <laughs> a little bit here because I mean, they've again, been in the, the trust they've is been so in below
0: twenty percent in national polls for years. That's yeah. the, they don't care. They get yeah. they've got their audience and they serve their audience, and that's all they're going to do. My question for you, from a public policy standpoint, is what should legislators policymakers do with this information in your opinion
1: <laughs> well <clears throat> um that is a great question so for government i think there's government and media i think there's just one big takeaway which is what we're doing isn't working people don't trust us and the more we do it the less people trust us so maybe we should rethink the way we're doing things i think that's just kind of the big takeaway um, and when you look at the business results, what's the difference between business and media and government during the pandemic? And again, um, you know, people turn to during times of crisis and emergency. People turn to the government and they turn to the media to be reliable. They turn to those the government to be to make them safe and to protect them, and they turn to the media for accurate information. And what they're telling us in these poll numbers is, we didn't get either of those things from you, and. What they got from business was exactly what business was supposed to do. There is a market need, we fill it. We fill it competently, we fill it quickly, we get it delivered on time and we charge you a reasonable price for it. <laughs> you know? And business did its job. And I think one of the big takeaways is that the American people want you to do your job. It's the Bill Belichick approach to you know, life. Just do your job that's all we want. We don't want you to lecture us. We don't want you to, you know, enlighten us and, and tell us how we're you know, not being, right. you know, woke enough or, you know, don't lecture, just do your job. You know, don't infantilize us. Don't tell us um, no masks one day, then mask the next day. Don't hide information from us because you don't think we can handle it. Um, there was so much that media and government did wrong during the pandemic. And, um, and you know, one of the reasons, and I mentioned this in the podcast before. One of the reasons we know why the media and the government, and, and media I'm broadly, but a lot of the national media, one of the reasons we know why they messed up so badly is because there isn't a media monopoly in this country. There are competing sources of information, and one of the um, academic studies that was done on kind of, um, you know, uh, I think it was. I, I'm not gonna remember the details exactly, so forgive me if I get this wrong, but it was, um, I believe a study of um, anti-maskers basically, and people who were skeptical of masks and mandates and so forth. And there was a big academic study done by this, and I'm, I, it was Yale or MIT, I forget exactly. So um, forgive me for not remembering, but you can Google it. and I, I think you can find it. Um, <clears throat> and they found that you know a lot of these people were actually not anti-science they just didn't believe the official numbers because the numbers were not matching up to their observed reality. So they went looking on their own and they went and and, um, thankfully we have the internet and you can look up JAMA studies and you can look up um, all kinds of other academic research that was being done. And they were taking government data and trying to match it with, you know, pretty high level statistical data from um, other publications. And so, there is a great deal of competing sources, uh, the great a great number of competing sources of information out there, and people are using that to hold government and, media, and big media accountable. And I think one of the, the problems with the way a lot of elected officials and bureaucrats approach the public is that they approach it from this mentality of, we're the authority figures, how dare you question us? And a lot of media, particularly at the national level, have that exact same mindset. And those two mindsets, uh, those two organizations that have that mindset fared very poorly. The organization that says, how may we serve you, (laughs) did a lot better. And I think media and government need to think about that. Officials who have those positions need to think, wait a minute, my job ought to be getting up every day and asking people, how can we serve you? Not getting up every day and lecturing them and trying to change their behavior trying to make them think the way you think um and i think that that sort of complete difference in mindsets explains a lot of this difference in trust and if i were advising anybody who's a media executive or a government official i would advise them that way ask how may i help you not um how may you help me yeah well that's
0: once again you're talking about people government and media. So I don't know that you're going to get much help there. Uh, Let's wrap up by talking a little bit about the budget and what you think is interesting about where the budget is as it heads for that final big house Senate arm wrestling match.
1: Right. So um, I don't think I'll bore you with the top line numbers here about spending. You can find that in a lot of coverage, but if you go to jbartlett.org, we have some, analyses of the senate budget and of the house budget and how they compare and um, we go through some of the differences between the two one of the things that is the same about both these budgets is their tax cuts so we are getting tax cuts this year Um, both the house and senate budgets have have uh, business tax cuts they slight slight business tax rate cuts they both have a slight cut to the rooms and meals tax And they both have something that has gotten very little media coverage in New Hampshire, which surprised me, which is the elimination of the interest and dividends tax. So New Hampshire, as everybody knows, is uh, income tax-free, which is not true. Everybody knew something that's wrong. We are income tax-free on earned salaried income, but, or earned income rather, but we're not income tax-free on passive income. So if you have investments um, at a certain threshold, you get taxed uh, and it is an income tax on your income from those investments. Well, a lot of the other states in the country that are truly income tax-free and that we are really competing with at this point for for residents and for entrepreneurs and for business development, they are moving in the direction of going totally income tax-free. So Tennessee um, has had an interest in dividends tax for a long time. They phased theirs out and it is now gone as of the beginning of this year of, of 2021. Well. In the budget they passed a five-year phase out of this tax interest and dividends tax and <clears throat> excuse me that is going to be uh, pretty interesting because we will become believe it or not the ninth state in the country that is truly income tax-free once that passes nine it like it's going to, yeah we're barely in yeah. the top 10. we bar- yeah we're, we're you would think um you'd say oh gosh we must be one of the top three states exactly. nope. Nope, Uh, Tennessee beat us to it. Some other states have beaten us to it. Um, So we would be the ninth state. Thankfully, we'd get in the single digits if this passes. But um, (laughs) yeah, but we'd be the ninth truly income tax-free state.
0: Well, I've been watching the media coverage of the budget. And as far as I know, there are only two things in it. And that is uh, Handmaid's Tale and uh, uh, Thought Police. I think that's the whole budget right there. Isn't that it? Yeah,
1: it's the media coverage is, uh, of course, you know, (laughs) They they like clicks too, and they like readership, and so they go for the sexy stuff. So there are some. um, There's language in the budget that you know. Look, if I were writing the budget, none of this stuff would be in there. Um, That's not how uh, I would do a budget, but um, that's how you know budgets get made. And so there are a couple of things that are in there. Obviously, there's uh, which you mentioned the uh, uh, 24-week abortion ban uh, is in the budget. There is um, uh, education freedom accounts, which I'm a big fan of, are in the budget, and <clears throat> Excuse me, and the um, the uh, language on what used to be called the concepts," but it's basically um, in the budget that's been changed. The Senate budget been changed to um, uh, anti-discrimination wording in our civil rights laws and in one of the education statutes that is in there. And um, what's the other big one that I'm forgetting?
0: Bigger than education, freedom accounts, and no, 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 those three are the biggies. Those are biggies. um, So very quickly, just explain where we actually are on what is in the budget regarding divisive concepts, critical race theory, etc. Because there's been a lot of comment on the fact that uh, uh, Governor Sununu early on was adamant that this was, you know, this the divisive concept should not be in the budget. He said that the house budget process had gone off the rails. And then he uh, gave an interview last week where he said, you know, I had this budget that's, that kind of came out with, I think I could sign it. And people are wondering, whoa, what happened? So what happened? Uh,
1: well, so it, there's been so much misinformation about this. And this is not one of the Bartlett Center's issues. So I just, you know, you're going to get me in trouble here, but you've asked me to <laughs> explain just, what, it. Exactly. And, what does it say and, now? And just as an explainer, so one of the reasons why the Business uh, and Industry Association came out against it was that the, the original bill had, um, it's, it was very it's kind of long and convoluted bill, but it had uh, language in it that would uh, essentially reach down into, not only would it prevent the state from using certain trainings regarding um, critical race theory but it would reach down into contractors and require state contractors and even their subcontractors to not use this these trainings and um, and that's really you know telling businesses what subcontractors they can hire and making them go through their subcontractors training materials was um, obviously you know going very far and um, so that's one of the reasons why the governor and a lot of business groups opposed it. So that's all gone. All that training stuff for the private sector is gone. There's nothing in there from that the Senate amendment basically um, really changed a lot of the, um, that bill and, and it took some of the concepts but it put them under the state, state of civil rights statute. So we have a civil rights statute that protects people from discrimination. And what it did was it, it rewrote this to basically say um, that you cannot teach. Uh, so government programs and speech no government program shall teach, advocate, or advance any one or more of the following that goes through a list. Um, and I'll give you an example that, that people of one age, sex, gender identity, sexual orientation, race, creed, color, marital status, familial status, mental or physical disability, religion, or national origin, and this next is the critical word in here, are inherently superior or inferior to people of another age, sex, gender identity, sexual, et cetera. So as you go through in each of these, it um, uses the phrase that you can't train or teach that people of one of those classifications are, and then it uses this language again, inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive. And uh, one of these- um, Or that they are inherently,
0: yeah, or that they are inherently guilty.
1: No, no, it doesn't say, no, it just says inherently racist, sexist or oppressive whether consciously or unconsciously now there's a lot of room for debate and um or or shouting (laughs) about what that (laughs) means but the word inherently does a whole lot of lifting here because that means from birth so what this language means as it's written as i read it is we cannot uh if it were to pass the state, no state program could teach that. And that's really critical. Could teach people to believe that one of these groups is by birth racist, sexist, or oppressive. That's it. That's the language. It does not say anything about bias. Bias is not in there. Um, you know, stuff that you learn, stuff that uh, you pick up as part of your culture um, is fair game. So for example, if you had a training program on um, bias uh, that said people have certain perceptions they grew up with, it's in the culture. Um, If you're white, you carry certain biases with you that might make you see um, people who are non-white in a certain way. If you're male, you might have certain biases that make you see the world in a certain way, that treat women in a certain way. All that stuff is allowed. None of that is banned under this, as long as your training doesn't go to the point of saying um, all white people are inherently racist and oppressive, meaning from birth by nature they are racist and oppressive, then you're fine. Um, And so I think there's been a lot of um, miscommunication about this, and one of my big frustrations is. So I just read you some of the language. It's kind of long, but um, when reading it, but the paragraphs are pretty short. I, and maybe I've missed it. Um, I haven't read every single story about this because it's not one of the stories that I was following super closely, but I have yet to see um, any reporting in New Hampshire that extensively quotes directly from the bill. The reporter will describe what the reporter's interpretation of language means. Right. The reporter will quote sources who say, well, it means this, it would do this, it would ban that. But what I think is really needed is an explainer from some journalists to quote the language, get some lawyers to walk through what the language really means and what it would actually do. Because you see a lot of people shouting that it would um, ban teaching about racism. Well, that's a lie. That's just an outright lie. There's no truth whatsoever to that. It does not ban teaching about racism. Um, There are people who say it would ban You know, implicit bias training. No, it wouldn't. You can certainly teach about bias under this language that is in the Senate bill. Um, So I I think it's one of those issues that's drawn a lot more um, heat than light, and it would be nice if some in our media would take a little time and go through the you know pull quotes and actually let people read the bill and decide for themselves rather than quoting one you know activist on one side saying well it would do this and an activist on the other side saying it would do that and then wiping the hands and say well i've done my story i've done my job i don't think you've really done your job if that's all you're doing
0: and that's why you go to nhjournal.com, where you will find the language that uh, you just heard described by uh drew klein here on no way but you're actually
1: gonna let but i'm sorry themselves? there
0: are two there are two things you're missing. one is that it still has to come uh, there still has to be a deal with the house and that language is going Absolutely. to change with
1: the house well so it, it may i mean you you're more so the second that stuff thing stuff is as, the
0: second thing is in addition yeah. to the changes that'll come from the house um if the the scope were so narrow then why is it so hard to get the people who are doing diversity training to let the people, the voters, the press, the citizens see what they're doing. Because as you know, New Hampshire mm-hmm. Journal's been trying to get the uh, training materials from Manchester after Mayor Joyce Craig said, we do implicit bias training for all of our employees. So we said, okay, great, we wanna see it. And the city is, is hiding it from us. The school districts won't turn, you have to wait for a parent to you know, screen capture something and put it up on their page. That's how we found out about Laconia. If someone gave us a handout. Saying, how do you know? And this is for uh, elementary school kids, like second and third graders. Drew, like there's little bicycles, little kids, you know, little cartoons. How do you know you have white's, you know, uh, uh, privilege? And like, how do you? What does, what does a third grader know about white privilege? It's because you can find band aids that are your skin color, and because your teacher can pronounce your name correctly on the first day. So, uh, it's if it if the if if the material were not. As so extreme that this this narrow bill would impact it, you wouldn't have an issue. But the fact is, even as narrowly as the Senate language is drawn, much of the material would still violate it because it says straight up, if you're a white person, as the video that the Manchester school system was showing its employees, uh, you are part of the white power structure and inherently part of white supremacy. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I don't really have an answer on, on that training stuff. If it's a government um, organization, I mean, if it's, a, if it's government, government agency using the training, it's public material, then they should well, I, release I don't it know. to you. So.
0: I'll tell you, uh, try to find it. Good luck. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all counting on you, which means you know, that uh, thanks to these issues, there's going to be some more wrangling on the budget. My, my last uh-huh. question for you is where will New Hampshire come out? from this budget will will it be more or less business friendly? will it be more or less uh, growth oriented? Will it be you know uh, more or less regulated and in other words is this going to be a step forward, step backwards or neutral?
1: <laughs> well um, you know the step forward or backward it depends on on who you ask but this <laughs> will be <clears throat> this so this will be a lower spending budget than we have seen in a while. the house budget, Actually, um, propose cutting spending, um, real terms, not just cutting the rate of growth, but spending less money and state money, state taxpayer money, general and education funding than was spent in the previous year. And the Senate budget cuts that a little more. So the Senate and the House are competing with each other to spend less, which is always good. And the um, and the taxes are all the tax cuts are um, are in both versions. So this budget will spend less money. It will tax less. It will regulate a little less. It is designed to um, you know, make the economy a little more competitive. So from that standpoint, um, you know, I think most folks who are of a free market uh, or generally conservative and leading point of view would say this is a big win.
0: And on that note, we will wrap up the New Hampshire Journal podcast presented by the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy. Where can we find your stuff, Drew Klein?
1: you can go to jbarlett.org and you will find lots of content and we're constantly putting new stuff up there. So bookmark it and check it out. And when you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter, The Broadside, which we used to publish on Fridays, but we just switched to a Monday newsletter. So um, that'll come out in your inbox once a week. We don't spam you every day, like some other places <laughs> might do. Uh, so sign up for a newsletter. It's a lot of fun. Our spam is
0: great and it comes out every day. And you don't want to miss it at nhjournal.com. By the way, where are you on the Twitterverse? How do we find your Twitter thing?
1: Oh, we are on Twitter. The Barlett Center is on there at um. J- I'm gonna miss Did, mis- I, did, did remember- I stump you? Well, no, the problem is um <laughs> I have I have the I always forget where the underscore goes. Ah. Um, See, because- ours is easy.
0: It's new hamp journal. Yes. So there you go. No, no scores, no hashtags, no ampersands. Yeah. new hamp journal
1: on twitter yeah ours is um it's um j bartlett uh but it's, it's josiah bartlett so if you search for josiah Bartlett, you probably find us but it's j bartlett underscore nh
0: j bartlett underscore nh thank you for making yeah. it just a little more
1: complicated yes, that's what we count on well we only them. like the smart people to follow <laughs> us so they got to find us
0: he's drew klein i'm michael graham thanks much for listening to the podcast we will talk to you soon